Hello and welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning no matter by how little or by how much. I am your assistant to the podcast host, hosting from the power chair once again. Uh, this time it was a scheduled off week for Jake. And with me tonight, guest starring is none other than the No Money Mike himself. Mike, how are you feeling? Not too bad. It's taken me a little bit of time to get adjusted to this whole nickname, but I have a good uh, feeling that this name will not be the case anymore next year. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I mean, a good start to the season for you. Wish I could say the same for myself, but I mean, fantasy is a wild time. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the last week recap uh, our matchups from last week, we had Team C Deemer beating the Flying Rutchman. JC and Company beats No Money Mike. Team Eminon beats the Mighty Vibes. Weak Pullout Hitter beats the Walk Institute of Research. Beaver Valley All-Stars beat Eating Ass and Taking Names. I'm sure I think that might be the first time we've actually said that out loud on the podcast it might be i'm not entirely certain i'm glad I, i'm sure he's happy we finally did before you uh, finish i gotta tell you a funny story but go ahead uh well last one uh jake's fantasy baseball team beats look at my tatis uh the median was 250 last week our one and one teams from last week were sam and jc who won uh, who won their matchup but finished below the median, and then myself and Brendan lost our matchup. I got absolutely destroyed by Scott, but we lost our matchup and finished above the median. Your story, Mike. Yeah, so real quick, it's, it's just kind of funny. So I've done, I think, like two trades now with Nate, and obviously, you know, his team is called Eating Ass and Taking Names, and mine is uh, No Money Mike, but with the abbreviation... Nate's team is ass and my team is broke. So <laughs> oh, oh, just wait. The first trade that we did, you'll get this notification through like email Frantrax or whatever. Uh, it says that team ass accepts offer from team broke. And I told Nate, I was like, next time that we do a trade, let me send it over and then you accept it. So it goes, Team Broke accepts um, offer from Team Ass, so you see Broke Ass. Beautiful. And we just did a trade, and I completely forgot. That, but, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's what we like to call execution. Oh, it's going to happen. Third time's a charm. <laughs> next time, next time. All right. Uh, and now on to the standings update. We have in the East, No Money Mike at 9-3, and three, falling 0-2 this past week. And uh, tied now, but falling short on points is Jake's fantasy baseball team at nine and three, having gone two and zero this past week, and I believe the week before as well. He jumps up to second, past the third place team in the East, JC and Company, at eight and four. JC went one and one this past week, and then we have in the West, continuing to dominate is Team Eminon. Scott is eleven and one. Went 2-0 again this past week. He is on an absolute tear. Uh, 
number two in the West is Team C Deemer. Nick Lee is seven and five after going two and zero oh this past week. He's on a little bit of, of a heater as well, kind of uh, digging himself out of a bit of a hole that he fa- has found himself in. And then um, I think for the first time in a while, a back-to-back week third place in the West, weak pullout hitter at four and at eight. After going one and one, I believe still edging me out in points four. And now for the takeaways from last week, Mike, we'll go ahead and start with you. Yeah, the biggest one that I'm seeing, and I think it's a big reason why trades have been very scarce. I know I've made, I think, every trade except for one this season, but let's just agree to it. It's been it's not been a trading season that I usually do. I'm averaging, I think, like one every two weeks. But back to where I was getting at and, and where I think this is why trades have been so scarce is my biggest takeaway is I think that it's we're not going to see a team selling for quite some time. And I think it's just due strictly because of how the standings are in the East and in the West. You look in the East, there's myself up top, but I am now currently tied with Jake. And you have JC uh, rounding out the third spot. And I know that the three of us, we like to win. We want to compete. And our records currently, as of right now, show for it. And then um, fourth team in the East, let's see. Well, we have Nick and Nate, four and five. Anybody that knows Nick and Nate, they don't like to lose. And Nick is definitely starting to come back up. You do have Eddie in the round out, but I'm going to go more towards West where you do have Scott in the first and it's a very large lead. And then you do have Nick Lee, but then the next four, like you included, it is those bottom four standings are going to change a flip flop. Excuse me. Bottom five. I, I did, uh, Forget one. Those next five, they're all within a game of each other. So I feel like the five of you, it, you know, because I'm saying it in your division, you guys are going to be battling it out for that final wild or that, you know, that top three position plus the chance for that wild card. So what does that mean for teams that are going to be selling? Because I think I remember last year, it was near around this time that I was the first team to sell. And I know I uh, sold early, but my team was a trap hole. And we're starting to see Brendan come up. I know he's your arch nemesis. This is always a hard word to say. (laughs) Nemesis. He's your arch nemesis, but I I think he's been listening to the podcast enough and he's tired of your shit. Because he's been (laughs) doing kind of well as of late. Uh, Jordan hasn't been doing all too hot. You got the positive vibes, even though it's the mighty vibes now. Where I'm getting at is I think it's going to be the a long time until we start to see somebody that sells. And who that team is, I I have no idea. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting take. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later to kind of sprinkle throughout the episode, I think. But you're absolutely right. Like the race for that third spot in the West is going to be is going to be a big deal as the as the season goes on because we're we're seven weeks in uh this is our seventh matchup this week i believe and um 
like like you said, we're all like one game out. Like Sam and I are technically tied for that last spot. Brendan and and Jordan, I believe, are the next two who are just right behind us. So it is gonna be it is gonna be uh tough to you know, someone's gonna lose out on that on that third spot by by a hair and they might just miss out on the playoffs because the east is is so good they they could easily take both the wild card spots and 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 to add real quick too that that might actually really handicap one of those owners that where i'm getting at and i i I do hate to say it, it is just the west but there is five teams that are very similar in records but the records are below 500 if you keep chasing and chasing and chasing for that third spot and you kind of neglect the trade deadline where you could sell and start to get really good keepers, but you still want to chase that wild card spot. Well, if you just miss it, you just lost a chance completely to help your team out for the following year. So I'm really curious to see how that's going to work out. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to continue watching that as things progress. My takeaway for this past week was a a week of signs of life. And what I'm talking about here is Brendan, who continued to look strong after the reconstruction of his pitching staff. Nick Lee, who's been sliding a little bit since week one, edged Brendan out with a massive performance from his pitching staff. My team, despite a continued trend of pitching struggles, managed third in scoring. And league villain Nick who seemed to be suffering from the back-to-back hangover, finished second in scoring with 290.7 points on the week. Truly a great performance. And he's right back in the picture with a 5-7 and seven record all of a sudden. Uh, it's been a lot of up and down for these teams this year, and I think I'd bet on more of the same, more ups and more downs as well uh, as things roll on. But the ups are certainly competitive ups. Uh, I, I can smell a wild card upset among among this group of rosters, assuming assuming that they they don't finish top three in their division, of course. Uh, anything can happen still. It's it's still early. Uh, and then one one bonus takeaway. Scott is for real. He's he's absolutely crushing it so far in May. He's the highest scorer by over 60 points. I, I checked today. Um and um, we just we haven't hyped up Scott enough on the podcast so far this year, but I am officially part of the fan club. Uh, hashtag Team Scott. Um, if if not me, then then I'm in on Scott. No offense, Mike. You're you're no. you're up there on the list as well. But Scott, ugh, I would love to see I, a Scott. Win. I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut because anytime I hype Scott Scott up, I just get it thrown right at me. And it's... <laughs> from the injuries boys no offense but look it is cool to see i know him well enough in fantasy football he's he's rather good at fantasy football um baseball you know he did a little bit of a learning curve and i think in that process you know he's he's learned and i could say that's the same for myself you know when i first started i didn't know what i was doing i had no idea at all but to be good in fantasy baseball, and I think everybody here can agree, it takes time. If you're a good fantasy owner, though, and you stay with it and you stay consistent, 
it will, it, you know, the results will eventually more or less show. And I think we're starting to see that now. Yeah. Well, moving on then uh, to trades, we had one this week. Uh, and it was between our our good friend Mike here and Nate. So Mike trades Austin Riley, and Nate trades Tommy Edmond and Francisco Lindor. I'll go ahead with my take real quick first, and then I'll let you close us out with kind of your thought process since you were one of the two halves of this trade. Uh, my gut reaction is I like Nate's side in this. Austin Riley has been struggling to start this year, but he's shown he can be a bit of a streaky player. So I think that's just kind of part of the deal you get for him. I think he's still capable of having incredible stretches in our format. So I'm okay with a buy low on Nate's side. Plus he has keeper value still and can either be on Nate's team next year or be flipped for good value later. I don't hate the return though. Not at all. So uh, a slight edge for Nate for me, but only slight. So Mike, what was what were you thinking? I don't mean that in like a super negative way. What were you thinking? But no. Uh, what was your thought process in this trade? Yeah, you know what's funny is honestly, I think I agree with you that I might actually like Nate. And this is kind of funny coming from the person that did the trade. I actually might down the road like Nate's side of it more. Two reasons, and they're two big reasons. One third base is a, unless you have a guy like Jose Ramirez, Rafael Devers, Machado, even though you know this, that Machado really struggled in the beginning, but he's still Machado. Third base is a tough position to have good quality production from Austin Riley had a great season last year and I still think pretty highly on Austin Riley and the second notion that I'm going to speak of is he's got great keep value he truthfully does my dilemma with my roster and it wasn't I, when I say dilemma I don't mean it as in like holy shit this is not good this is like not I don't I don't I need to fix it now but my dilemma stemmed through when O'Neill Cruz went out. And obviously O'Neill Cruz played shortstop. And I know shortstop is one of the deepest positions in baseball, if not the deepest in terms of hitting. But my dilemma was that I was going around with guys like Jorge Mateo, who, listen, he was balling out in the early of the season. And I still think Jorge Mateo could be a serviceable Let's put it this way, and, I, and I'm going to be honest because I tried to sell Jorge Mateo to a bunch of owners, uh, and they've all been rejected. Jorge Mateo is, was a good waiver pickup for what he was. I think he could still be a serviceable replacement bat, but he just has not been producing all too well. Theo Estrada, I kind of like having on my team as when Kyle Schwarber strikes out way too much, I can put him at left field. And then I got Jorge Polanco, but more or less where I'm getting at is my shortstop position. I didn't have a clear cut set in front of guy that I can just play, forget about it, move on. Francisco Lindor, he's not the same Lindor that he used to be, but he's still, in my opinion, a top eight shortstop. 
hundred percent. And who knows how O'Neill Cruz is going to look when he does eventually come back. Um, but now I don't have to stress about that. I don't have to rely on somebody that just broke their ankle to immediately come back and produce. Lindor does take care of that. And Tommy Edmond, I mean, Tommy Edmond, everybody, he's like, yeah, he's a fun player. He's a good player, but he's not like great. But the multi-eligible position is, in my opinion, great. And he does play second base, third base, shortstop. Um, so basically moving Austin Riley, getting Lindor that I can plug and play, even though Riley was a plug and play guy. Tommy Edmond is also, in my personal opinion, especially on my team, a plug and play guy. So I got two immediate starters while moving one that, again, has great keep value and is a good third base. And I'm probably going to bite the bullet because Nate is a mastermind of selling guys. He's better than I am. Um, but it, it, it's just going to be one of those trades to see how it ages throughout the season. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those, like especially with Lindor being the only one who's kind of putting up good numbers and for him they're kind of just okay it's definitely kind of a wait and see uh before we really decide i think like you said nate's ability to to flip flip guys for good deals i think he has that capability with austin riley so i i kind of give the edge to him in i think it's most likely to to break in his favor but we do have to wait and see yeah. Uh, and that is that is the last week recap with our one trade. Let's go ahead and jump into this week's main segment, secret player comparisons. Now, uh, to set this up for the listeners at home, what I have done is I've taken two hitters, two starting pitchers, and two relief pitchers. I have hidden their names from Mike. I've sent him over some of their stats and I'll read them out. We'll maybe discuss a bit. And uh, Mike is going to tell me which of the guys I've presented he would choose. And then we'll reveal the names of the players and have a whole lot of fun finding out, you know, who it was that, who it was that Mike decided on. So, Without further ado, let's start with the hitters. Uh, here is the stat breakdown for what I gave to Mike. Uh, I gave him the players' points per game, their slash line, which is batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging, their home runs, uh, their strikeout percentage minus walk percentage. I put both numbers in and then did the math. Uh, and then the hitter's hard contact percentage, which uh, is hard hit balls per plate appearance. So out of all of the times they get up to to the plate, how often are they hitting the ball hard? So let's go ahead and dive in with hitter number one, averaging 2.3 points per game. He is slashing 215. 283 OBP and slugging uh, 
399. He's got seven home runs on the year. His strikeout rate is 28.3%. The walk rate 7.5 for a 20.8 K minus walk. And his hard hit rate is 28.3%. And the hard hit rates I went ahead and gave uh, their relative ranking because that's uh, a more obscure stat. Not not everyone knows what like a good hard contact rate is. Uh, the 28.3% is good enough for 154th in the league. Hitter number two is averaging... 2.9 points per game, uh, hitting 250, 345 on base percentage, and slugging 444. The K minus walk is 12.5 minus 13.1% walk rate for a negative 0.6 K minus walk rate. Super stellar. Uh, and then the hard contract rate is 20. 2.3% at 245th overall. So, uh, Mike, who is the hitter you're taking out of these two? So real quick before I answer that question, it's so hitter two, there's no typo, meaning I saw zero home runs. Is that is that true? No home runs? Oh, forgive me. I did not put their home runs in there. Let me look that up real quick. I I believe this guy has some home runs. Six home runs. I that was my mistake. Ooh, okay. Um hitter one definitely hits the bar. Hits hits not the bar. It's the ball harder, but not you mentioned like hard contact rate. Not everybody knows that. I'm I'm one included. But I mean it is a little bit better. But when you compare the rest of the, and you said that hitter two's got six home runs, that's one less home run than hitter one. He's averaging 0.6 points more per game. And that strikeout to walk percentage is no joke. So he's walking more than he's striking out. I, I got to take, I got to take hitter number two. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a clear decision. I mean, he's averaging 2.9 points per game over the 2.3 of the other guy. This one I had in here mostly because, not because I thought it was going to be a super hard decision. There is some interesting stuff to to talk about, but mostly because of the names. Uh, hitter number two, which Mike chose, is Glaber Torres, oh who's off to a great start this season for Jordan. Uh, kind of back from the dead almost. He's, you know, 2019, he had a breakout season and he really hasn't done much since, but he's he's definitely coming through. I think it was a 15th round pick that Jordan kept him with. So pretty darn good. Uh, Glaber Torres a- chosen. Oh yeah, you want to take a guess at hitter number one? I do. First of all, guess number one. Are they on my team? They are not on your team. Guess number two, are they the same position? They are not at the same position. I have no clue then. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I was gonna, I was number gonna, one. I was going to say Kyle Schwarber, but go ahead. 
Hitter number one is none other than Julio Rodriguez, who is off to a oh. slow, slow-ish start this season. Uh, I put him in here, one, because I noticed he was off to a slow start, and I wanted to see, like, oh, slow start versus hot start. That's that's a fun player comparison. Um, and I, I put him in here because he's another guy, kind of like Austin Riley, I think, who, given the plate discipline where it's at, at 20.8K minus walk, um, he's just going to be another one of those streaky hitters. Like when Julio is on, he is on fire and we saw it last year. Um, but when he's off, he's, he's going to be kind of middling and you're going to wish that you had someone else in there. Um, personally, like I would prefer to have a player who isn't as streaky kind of has the has the higher floor and i mean right now that's glaber torres with his with the incredible plate discipline he's had this season um Mm -hmm. but yeah julio's julio i mean i think last april he hit like zero home runs or something him and bobby witt i think combined for zero home runs last april i think i heard that on a podcast so like maybe it's just early in the year he might be a slow starter uh cold weather and whatnot might be might be holding him back and he could he can absolutely go on a tear again and you know 28.3% hard contact rate it's 154th but it's not it's not bad by any stretch um we can probably expect him to bounce back, but um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say like Julio Rodriguez. Trust me, like I know I own him in a dynasty league, and I've had a few offers coming my way for him, and I rejected every single one. I still hold Julio very highly in demand. I think the biggest issue, and you can debate it if you want. It's fine. I think a lot of people can debate about it. But I think, especially in Julio's case, and this can be for – there's other batters that have been struggling for sure. But I'm going to go to the pitch count, and that's why I think pitchers have been struggling. If Julio Rodriguez, he's been playing baseball for X amount of time, and look, I don't know if they have a pitch count in the minor leagues or anything like that. But to me, it just sounds like – if plate discipline's a big issue for him right now, that could stem through the pitch count because if you're automatically having to get ready to set and bat and you're not accustomed to that, especially at a very young age, that could be a big issue and reasoning why he's striking out way more than he's walking. Um, could he fix it this year? I mean, he's a very good talent. He's, I think, going into this year, he was the number one dynasty overall player. And I know he's dropped slightly, but he's, uh, you know, he's still like a top five, top eight guy, in my opinion, in a dynasty format. And I know that we don't do a dynasty, but, but that could also be the other issue is like, when does he pick it up? Because it could take, it's hard learning something. It's hard, let me rephrase that. It's hard unlearning something you've been doing for years on end to learn something new in a year. 
so I'm curious to see if he does turn it around. I think, I think more or less he will, but will it be to the degree of how everybody perceived him this year? That is a different question in itself. But baseball's a marathon. It's not a race. Yep, absolutely a player to watch, Julio Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Moving on then to the pitchers, here's the stat breakdown. Again, we have points per game and then earned run average ERA and walk slash hits per inning pitched for the whip. Uh, Also, strikeout minus walk percentage uh, and then... Called strikes plus whiffs, that's CSW per pitch, and then the swinging strike percentage, uh, as well as hard contact, but from the pitcher's side. So, pitcher number one. Oh, I'm, I, full disclosure, I'm very excited about this comparison. When I set it up, I was like, oh, this is a juicy one. Okay, pitcher number one. <laughs> uh, pitcher number one is averaging 19.9 points per game very strong. He has a 2.22 ERA, a 1.04 whip, a 27.4% K rate minus the 8% walk rate for a total of 19.4% K minus walk, a 29.1 CSW, 12.5 swinging strike, and his hard contact rate is 57th in the majors so far at 24.9%. Pitcher number two is averaging 20 points per game, just 0.1 higher than the first. He has a 238 ERA, a 104 whip identical to the first. Uh, he is striking out batters at a 30.1% rate, walking them at 6.1% for a 24% K minus walk. He's got a 31.7% CSW, an 11.3% swinging strike rate, and a 17% hard contact rate, good enough for fifth in the majors. So, Mike, who are you going to take? These numbers are close. Juicy, I know. They're really close. Question, is pitcher two in a friendly ballpark for pitchers? Uh, I believe the answer is yes. I'm not entirely familiar with all of the ballparks and how good they are for pitchers versus hitters, but I, I think their ballpark is better for pitchers. Than it is for hitters, at least. It might. It's not like extreme or anything. I don't think, but I, I think it leans towards pitchers. Huh. Oh, this is tough. I think I still have to lean with pitcher one. But pitcher two is, man, that's tough. Batters aren't hitting him hard at all. But if it's a decently good pitcher park, oh, yeah, I think I still have to go with pitcher one. Can I take a guess on pitcher two, though? Absolutely. 
this is outside of the marbles, but I know he's had a phenomenal season to start. Is pitcher two Mitch Keller? That is absolutely correct. Pitcher number two is Mitch Keller, averaging 20 points per game. You were Ooh. you were just inches away from falling into my trap and picking Mitch Keller over pitcher number one, who is Garrett Cole, the rating oh, wow. number one pitcher in baseball. Uh, but yeah, I loved making this comparison. I kind of just went on the the pitcher scoring ranks filtered by all and saw Cole and Mitch Keller were basically right next to each other. And I was like, Oh, I can't pass up on that. And then I looked at their stats and everything is like so close. Um, and a few of the like underlying numbers are even in Keller's favor. So this was, this was a fun one to look at. I, I think if it was me and I was just looking at these stats blind, I would have probably gone with Mitch Keller. Now, no sane person would take Mitch Keller over Garrett Cole the rest of the season. But just that's why these comparisons are fun because you get a blind snapshot of like what's happened so far and you, you got to make a choice. I, I think I would have probably gone with Mitch Keller if it were me. You, you escaped my trap, the one that I would have fallen for. But. Yeah, Mitch Keller absolutely having a phenomenal season, as well as Garrett Cole, but uh, obviously Keller, the one you don't expect. Yeah, Mitch Keller is going to be the next Garrett Cole once he gets traded. <laughs> absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get traded. Um, is Mitch Keller an old pitcher? Like old-ish? He's not old. I don't think he's, like... Young, young. I forget what year he came up. He's definitely on the younger side. He's like still in his mid twenties, I think. Oh. Um. But yeah, he's been up for a couple years now, I think. And he Gosh. he has not looked this good in any of those years. So. No, he's he's looking phenomenal. He's definitely yeah. performing All Star season for sure. It'd be well, nice to see more than one pirate All Star. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that'll could be interesting as the season progresses. Uh, let's go ahead and close it out with ha, close uh, relief pitchers. Uh, the stat breakdown. I have the same stats as um, as starting pitchers, uh, but I tacked on saves plus holds at the end because it's reliever and and those numbers matter a lot uh, in our format. So. Reliever number one, he is averaging, uh, oh, also I should note, I I put in the total points that they have because relievers like averaging points can be kind of deceptive uh, because it's a very volume reliant position. So uh, reliever number one is averaging 3.9 points per game. He has 86 total. His ERA is... 2.95 the whip is 1.17 uh the k minus walk is 14.8 minus 5.7 for a total of 9.1 uh the csw is 27.3 percent swinging strike is at 11.1 
and hard contact is at 27.3%, which is 215th in the majors. Uh, this pitcher clearly a closer with 14 saves and zero holds for obviously a total of 14. Now, reliever two is averaging 5.9 points per game. He edges out the first pitcher by half a point at 86.5 total. Uh, his ERA is 1.06. The whip is 0.88. The K minus walk is 36.8 minus 8.8 for a total of 28%. The CSW is at 33.9%. Uh, he has a 17.1% swing strike rate and a 17.6% hard contact, good enough for 57th uh, among relievers. He has a total of eight saves plus holes with one save and seven holes. And with that, Mike, which of these relievers are you taking? If it was our old format from like last year where saves were so important, I probably would have taken player one. But player two has definitely outperformed by a good margin. My per I know that middle relievers aren't uh, sought after, but the stats are that much better right now. So I think I have to take, I'm going to take a guess though on player or yeah, player number one. Sure. Is it Emmanuel Classe? Right again, two out of three. Are you yeah, serious? Player, that, player number that... one is Emmanuel Classe. Uh, I didn't, oh, I should have written down like where they rank, but yeah. Uh, Emmanuel Class A is at 86 points this year. He's got 14 saves, um, but has looked a little shaky. And, you know, reliever can be really volatile. Like, if you have, you know, one or two bad outings, it really, like, drops you down in the rankings. But this one, again, I just went and saw that Class A, I believe it was, like, the second page of relievers when I filtered by all. And, of course, that that's including you know, sparps and stuff. Um, but yeah, he was, he was a bit down there. So I picked another guy who was right around that range reliever. Number two, uh, the one that Mike chose Mark lighter jr. I don't know if he's related to Jack lighter of, of league fame. Uh, but Mark lighter is doing a pretty good job. Um, I'm I'm probably a bad baseball fan for this. I like Mark Leiter's dad might be. I I don't remember for sure if Mark Leiter is like the famous, the famous baseball player whose son is Jack Leiter, and like Mark Leiter Jr. is the other brother who's like a reliever instead. I don't know. I I didn't I, study my baseball history for this for this segment, but <laughs> I I have no clue. If that the is the case, I have good instincts. I just don't follow up on them. <laughs> the only the only family thing I know when it comes to baseball compared to other sports is Pirates catch, uh, catcher Nick uh, Jack. Well, I was I almost said his brother, like Smith uh, Najigba. 
mm-hmm. he is the brother to the receiver that just got drafted from Ohio State to Seattle. His name's uh, Jackson Smith Majigba. Well, that's gotcha. about all I know. So. Yeah, I know that there are like plenty of like father son or like other relative duos in in baseball. I I started watching baseball in high school because. The Pirates weren't good until I was in high school. And now they suck again. So, you know, full circle. Oh, they don't they don't suck now. Well, they they were good to start the year. They could totally suck again though, is the thing. <laughs> but but yeah. this this segment's not about the pirates and their struggles. The segment's about Emmanuel Class A and his struggles. Uh getting outscored True. right now by Mark Leiter Jr. Um yeah, this one I I, I think kind of Mark Leiter, aside from like only having, aside from the the closer situation, Mark Leiter is not the closer in Chicago. Emmanuel Class A is the closer for the Guardians, so Class A has more points to gain. Uh, but he's looked only so-so to start the year after basically being like the easy number one reliever with Edwin Diaz getting injured at the start of the year. He's, he's hanging down behind Mark Leiter jr. This season who, you know, has, has looked pretty good and is getting some high leverage uh, pitching situations for Chicago. Um, I know it's the Cubs and, you know, they're not, they're not making waves or anything, but Mark Leiter jr. Sure is. And good on him. Uh, that will wrap up our main segment, uh, player comparisons. I hope you guys had fun at home. If if you guessed any of the players uh, like Mike was doing uh, as I was reading off their stats, let us know in the group chat. That's always a fun time. Uh, we will move now on to the matchup preview for this upcoming week. We'll start with best matchup. Mike, you go ahead with yours first. Yeah, you know, this was kind of tough because there wasn't any matchups that were an obvious, oh, wow, I'm excited to see how this one comes out. You know, you do have um, Nick, who has been bouncing back, playing against uh, JC. You know, that was that was interesting for sure. But the biggest one that I saw, and circling around back to what I was saying about the West. I think my best matchup and one that I'm looking at the most is Brendan versus Sam. Brendan's been on, on a little bit of a heater. Sam's been kind of, you know, hovering around. And I think that this matchup in itself can really, uh, I don't think it's going to change the outlook of what I mentioned about how the West is going to be nit and gritty, but it can change somebody's confidence. Meaning like if Brandon comes and wins this matchup, not only like wins the matchup, but if he goes 2-0 with a head-to-head win and a median win, now all of a sudden Brandon's season has completely turned almost 360. So that that yeah, that's it's probably not the best matchup, but it's the matchup that I'm most looking forward to and seeing how that turns out. 
Well, I mean, folks at home are going to have to let us know if we missed one, because I had the same matchup for my best matchup. I, I think you're right. There's not any, like, super heavy-hitting matchups. We don't have, like, intense rivalries going this week or anything like that. Uh, but I mean, you, you can say... Yeah, well, you can say mine and Jake's. That's probably, like, the biggest one, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. But Brendan and Sam is essentially a playoff spot on the line. If Brendan goes two and zero, and Sam goes zero and two, and uh, assuming you know Jordan and I, you know maybe we split one and one or something, or no, if I go zero and two as well, I think is is the situation for Brendan. Uh, he could be up in third in the division after this week. So uh, definitely big implications. Uh, I do have, like, as an honorable mention, myself and Jordan are also technically in the mix for that third spot this week, and we're playing each other. So um, I'll kind of jump ahead and just talk about my thing to watch for, and it's that third spot in the West. It it is going to be an absolute treasure for whoever can grab it at the end of the season. Uh, Because, like I, I think I mentioned before, like, if you miss out on the third spot in the West, you could just miss out on the playoffs because basically everyone in the West outside of the top two are off to a, a pretty rough start to start the year. So if you can get that guaranteed playoff spot, you're going to be feeling really good. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if you miss out, you, you might miss out on a wild card spot too because the, the, the East came to play. Uh, Mike, what was your thing to watch for? I mean, it more or less tags into um, what I was saying about the West, but I'll add one more thing is um, is Nick secretly starting to come back. And if he does come back and he gets hot, when we talked about how the trade market has been kind of dead, if Nick starts to come back, get ready for it the trade market's going to open up quick and fast. So I'm waiting to see if Nick goes a 2-0 start and he's at 500 at 7-7. I think think that's when the trade trading starts to really happen. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, you know, it's seventh matchup we've got 19 regular season matchups things this is where things start to get like really interesting we're entering like the meat of the season now like the early parts are are pretty much over now now we're talking business you know speaking of business let's talk about prediction records and matchups uh leading the way now after a four and two week last week is jake at 24 and 12 and since we're gonna have kind of like staggering uh you know jake's gonna be on some weeks he's gonna be out some weeks i'm gonna be on some weeks out some weeks and our guest you know is on and off as well i am including uh win percentages here in the form of uh batting average so jake is batting uh 667 this season i am but a game behind him batting 639 with a 23 and 13 record. I went three and three last week. Our guest still leading the way uh, in terms of 
uh, win percentage at 750 right now, uh, 18 and 6, 4 and 2. Uh, and fan tracks kind of hanging in the back with a 611 win percentage at 22 and 14. They also went uh, three and three last week. So let's go ahead and get those matchup predictions. We'll start with you, Mike. And matchup is Sam, weak pullout hitter versus Brendan, the flying Rutschman. Mike, who do you got? Ooh. Brendan's been on a little bit of a kicker as of late. But I do think Sam has the better overall team as of right now. So I got to go with Sam on that one. All right, Mike picks Sam. I went with Brendan. I'm going to believe in the streak. I'm, I'm going to ride this one until the wheels fall off, just like I did with Jordan. Uh, Brendan has already outpaced that streak with Jordan with two wins in a row. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick Brendan again. Fantrax also had Brendan uh, in projections this week. Moving on to our next matchup, Nick Lee, Team C Deemer versus Scott, Team Eminon. Mike, who do you got? Oh, I think... Lots of lots of oofs in this one. I think Scott's going to narrowly edge this one out. Um, you know, I just had a bad week myself last week I went 0-2 but I think Scott narrowly edges this out his team is very good so I'm going to have to go with Scott I had Scott as well again I'm just going to believe uh, I'm in the fan club where we're, we're taking Scott to the championship unless it's me of course uh, Fantrax also had Scott. Our next matchup is Jake. Jake's. I don't even have to read the owner names for this one. Jake's fantasy baseball team versus No Money Mike. Mike, who are you taking in your matchup? Me. I'm coming back. It was a rough week last week, and I'm projected right now. I'm looking at it 340 points. I'm projected the most points. Me. Mike taking himself in the bounce back. I felt yeah. the same way. I, I'm taking. I'm taking you, Jake. Ha, Jake has quietly been on a little heater of his own uh in recent days but uh i think mike you're just the team to end that uh and i i don't mean i don't mean to sound like an asshole but i have like the pitchers that matter on my team i they all have two week starts yeah that's definitely a big one uh i like i said i had mike as well and fantrax also had mike um, I believe Fantrax and I have the same picks so far. I'm going to have to fix that. I, it changes as, as we go along. Spoilers. Uh, and we'll go ahead to matchup number four. That is myself, the Mighty Vibes versus Jordan, the Walk Institute of Resort, uh, Research, if words work correctly. Mike, who are you taking? Um... I'm not looking at the projections. I'm currently doing this podcast with you and watching the Lakers and Nuggets game, but 
I think Jordan does bounce back, honestly. He just went to the title last year. I think he's going to bounce back. He's going to get it. Yeah, I went with myself. I'm going to be the contrarian on this this side. My offense has looked a lot better lately, and that's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been hoping for. Um, you just got you, you got to be the league villain. I was the league villain when I was in fantasy football, and I took that to heart, and then I just started winning, and then I went to a title. Positive I, I've tried. To, I've tried like, the league villain thing. I, I I tried this past year in fantasy football. I tried so hard. I committed. Like my my logo was Thanos and everything, and I had maybe the worst luck in in fantasy sports that I've had in any season last year in all of my leagues. It was it was torture. I I don't think. You know, League Villain works for some people. I don't think it's for me. Yeah, League Villain is definitely, well, not League Villain. Like, luck, there's definitely way more luck when it comes to fantasy football, when it comes to baseball. But if, da- damn it, I was called Heel Mike in fantasy football when I'm in the league with uh, Jake, and I had no clue what that meant at all. And he basically described it as league villain, more or less. And I carried that. I went through it. I did it. Went to a championship. Did I lose? Yes. And I lost, unfortunately, to my cousin, Nathan Andres. But sometimes you got to get a little spicy. You got you to gotta talk your shit a little bit. I think... The positive, I- the positive vibes... I do like the name change. It's Mighty Vibes. Doesn't have to be positive and it doesn't have to be negative. It's just, just vibes. Just strong vibes all around. I, yes. I think if if all goes well, I'll turn into the lovable underdog by the end of the season. Uh, but I got to play my cards right, and so do my players. Uh, yep. We'll go ahead and do matchup number five. It is Nate eating ass and taking names versus Eddie. Look at my Tatis. Uh, Mike, who do you got in this one? Nate. It's going to be Nate's across the board. I took Nate as well as, and so did fan tracks. Uh, sorry, Eddie. Uh, I, it, yeah. Sorry, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> matchup number six. Uh, JC and company versus uh, league villain Nick, uh, Beaver Valley All-Stars. Mike, who are you taking? This was my honorable mention about the best matchup. Uh, I think Nick's going to continue his hot streak. I truthfully do. I know JC just beat me, but I had zero pitching. No, I had no two-star guys. I'm not... I'm not discrediting uh, JC's win against me, but I think Nick's on the up and cup, up and up and up. Sorry, um, and I'm gonna pick Nick. I picked Nick as well, and so did Fantrax. Uh, I agree. This one is is a tight one to pick, but say what you want about our league villain, 
he knows how to win fantasy games and uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna sign with him and uh see if he can get that streak going in earnest uh moving on now to news and notes we have a couple of call-ups yuri perez for the Marlin for the marlins he's a starting pitcher matt mcclain the red shortstop and Cody Bradford, uh, the Rangers SP. I'll go ahead first here. I did not look into the other two. I know Yuri Perez, and I know he has potential keeper value. Uh, that's the guy I'm interested in. I hadn't even heard of the other guys, and I didn't get around to you know do, doing some hashtag research on on what those guys are all about. Uh, Mike, do you have? Can you save me at all on these guys, or, or are you kind of just with me, like Yuri Perez for life? I mean, I definitely know Yuri Perez. I'm curious to see. Normally, when we see uh, Marlins pitchers, like prospects that come up, they they do overall pretty well to start off. So that's curious. Matt McClain, I don't know him, and I definitely don't know the other guys that you mentioned. But Matt McClain does kind of, you know what? No, I'm going to keep it a secret. I'm going to shut my mouth and keep it there. He does curious. Like, you know what? I don't care. Honestly, I am a big uh, believer in the guy that I've been holding on to this whole season. Does Matt McClain coming in shortstop worry me because I have Ellie De La Cruz? No. But I am curious to see where Ellie De La Cruz plays when he comes up. I know he's got third base shortstop eligibility. So I'm just kind of curious to see. But yeah, outside of that, no. Should be interesting for sure. Uh, they can, you know, major league teams can can shuffle people around quite a bit, especially the young guys. Right. Uh, we have but one send down on the lineup this week. It is your boy Hayden Wisniewski. And I just have a frowny face here in the notes. Um, makes me sad. Top five pitcher someday maybe probably something did you, i don't know did you did you place a bet on FanDuel or draft uh draft kings that he was I, gonna be i had him as rookie, rookie of the year. year it's oh it's not looking great i'll say that oh. it was a free bet i don't care uh oh, we fair. have uh moving on to returns this week Corey seager Corey seager's on the docket here he has not returned yet this week because he was supposed to come back today or he was supposed to come back as early as monday but he was held out due to a stomach bug he should be back at some point this week so he remains on here he's a big deal player for eddie so welcome back soon ish Corey seager not much to say about him he's he's just a good player and he's He's returning to the field, which you love to see. We have a whole slew of injuries to get to, however, so let's get right to that. Uh, starting with Jose Alvarado, a uh, 15-day IL with an elbow. Tyler Glass now uh, facing a setback with some side tightness. I believe he's supposed to take uh, at least another start in AAA on his rehab assignment. Andres Munoz, also a setback with his shoulder recovery. Tyler Malley gets Tommy John. He's done for the year. Nick Lodolo goes to the 15-day IL with an ankle injury. 
Drew Rasmussen, 60-day IL with a flexor strain. Uh, and AJ Puck, 15-day IL with an elbow. Mike, the same question that we always have for this segment. Which owner are you giving the most sympathy to this week for the losses that they have taken? Oh, repeat the first one again, because that first one sounded very interesting. Jose Alvarado, closer for the Phillies slash league villain Nick. And then one more time, repeat the second one again. Tyler Glasnow, a setback in his recovery. I'd probably say Alvarado, because I think he's shot. You said it was an elbow uh, injury, right? I have no idea the severity, um, but definitely like the elbow injuries on here. You know, Alvarado and AJ Puck, both uh, elbow injuries are never fun and definitely concerning. I do train some athletes and quick silent plug shout out to athletic republic pittsburgh that's where i work i train athletes elbow issues can be a big thing but i would also say too the tyler glasnow one you said it was a side injury what the fuck he, does that mean he Sorry. was he Sorry was out with you're good he, he was out with an oblique uh and he got pulled from a uh, a rehab start with side tightness. So it, it was just like kind of a precautionary thing. Like the spot that was giving him trouble was feeling tight. So they, they pulled him out and didn't want to have him re-injure it on his rehab assignment, basically. Well, I think Tyler Gladys now needs to just, and I know it's kind of hard to say this in the best fashion that I'm going to say it, Tyler Glasnow has to just man up, suck up his injuries, <laughs> and literally pitch a baseball. Because an oblique thing, in my personal opinion, that's just you being soft. But an elbow injury is definitely significant. So I would definitely say, Nick, I'm sorry that you lost. Jose Alvarado. Even though you try to send him to me and a trade offer, silent plug. <laughs> well, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a big one. I would have to I would have to look at the severity to know for sure. Like, how long is he expected to be out? Is he shut down? Is he going to miss the minimum? That sort of thing. To me, I'm going to go with Drew Rasmussen. He was my fa- favorite pick in the draft. So my sympathy goes out to to Sam. Going to be missing Drew Rasmussen for at least sixty days with a flexor strain. Um, yeah, that that's that's a big loss. And I really wanted to see what Drew Rasmussen can do this year because, you know, I I wanted to see if I was right to want to draft him as high as I wanted to draft him. Uh, well, even though Sam glad- got to him first. <laughs> Aren't you glad you didn't, though? I I guess, but I still want to be right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, that'll wrap up news and notes. And as is tradition now, uh, I believe this is the third one, so definitely a tradition. Uh, we have a guest on the podcast, and so we will end uh, giving our guest, Mike, uh, 
giving him the floor and letting him close us out with the airing of grievances. I have been Jerwin Wolf. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you. Uh, I will be out next week. That's my scheduled week off. So um, Jake should be back. I believe we still need a guest. So please sign up. Um, and then uh, we could potentially need two guests. Guests. Uh, because Jake is uh, busy saving the economy and whatnot. So uh, without further ado, uh, the airing of grievances, Mike, take us out. Oh, I thought you were going to cancel it out. Cut it off. No, no, no. Go ahead. Air, air your grievances, and then and then we end it. Oh, Lord Almighty. Um, my era of grievance, I'm going to say it loud and proud. I've got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. The person that I want to talk about is none other than JC. I was off to a hard, oh, ugh, hot start. I was 9-1. I've been talked about the podcast that I was dominating. And you got lucky winning against me. I'm not going to lie. I had zero pitching. I had no two-start pitchers at all. Am I discrediting your team? No. But when I play you again, and Jeremy knows this, I hold grudges. I'm on, a pa- I'm on a mission from God. When I play you again, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to whoop your ass. And then you're going to ask me for toilet paper when I whoop your ass. And that's all I got to say about it.